Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Enfield. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jose Diaz-Gomez, MD, FASE, FCCM, and Dr. Alexi Pustovoital, MD, MHS, FCCM, to discuss SCCM's recent mission to the Ukraine. Dr. Diaz-Gomez is the Chief of Cardiothoracic, Mechanical Circulatory Support, and Transplant Critical Care Section at the Texas Heart Institute at Baylor St. Luke's Medical Center and the Director of Critical Care Echocardiography. He also serves as the Program Director of Critical Care Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine and was the SCCM Ukraine Mission Leader. Dr. Pustovita is the Associate Professor of Anesthesiology and Critical Care Medicine at Johns Hopkins University of Medicine. He serves in many capacities, including the Director of Echocardiography and the Medical Director of Adult Respiratory Care Services. He disclosed prior to this recording that he is an equity ownership in Coop Tech and a stock ownership in GE Health, Butterfly Networks, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Atia Pharmaceuticals, and Santa Biotechnology. Welcome to you both. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today. Dr. Diaz-Gomez, do you have any disclosures? No, I don't have any disclosures. So I know you guys were both deeply involved in this mission to the Ukraine. I wonder, Dr. Diaz-Gomez, if you could just give us some background on how this mission evolved and what its purpose was. Thank you. So the way it evolved was with a phone call from our SCCM CEO, and he was very clear on the purpose of the mission being to provide fundamental knowledge and essential skills in critical care ultrasonography to Ukrainian physicians and medics. So that was the first offer, and I needed some time to really think about such a unique mission I never have done in my life. So when you were thinking about that kind of mission, what what are the thoughts that went through your mind, and, and how did you plan for it? So first of all, I thought that the society has put so much investment over the last decade in the education in this field, involving probably over 100 physicians and advanced practice providers. So I knew the quality of the program was really good, but then how to translate that educational intervention in a war zone in a different language and with the faculty that we can recruit, we can bring together that probably I haven't worked with them in the past. It was the very first step, like how I would envision that. So that was uh, my first step, trying to really envision what we have in the United States, how we can do this. Pretty much she told me we need to develop this in less than six months. It's a pretty uh, short turnaround to develop an entire program in a different language. So I'm impressed that you all were able to get that done. I wonder, Dr. Stovital, what got you involved and how did you decide to join this mission? My pathway was somewhat different. Ever since uh, starting the uh, current invasion by, by Russia into Ukraine, I was interested in uh, actually helping the Ukrainians to achieve sort of great, greater response on the me- medical side. And uh, starting in March of 2022, we were actually sending some ultrasound devices into the country. And I had several of my friends and acquaintances on the ground in Ukraine who were doing some teaching already. In, in the country. I was uh, part of the adult critical care ultrasound faculty and during the August summer courses in, in Chicago, I actually brought this up also uh, with the SCCM leadership and at which point the, the CEO actually mentioned, hey, 
that's what we are putting together. Would you consider also joining that? So thus I joined. In the meanwhile, the Ukrainian le- leaders uh, in anesthesiology and critical care, which is actually the same specialty there, both uh, the same were planning to visit Johns Hopkins. So that further served as a vehicle to uh, organize the mission and uh, interweave that uh, together with uh, my sort of personal goals and the SCCM mission and the Ukrainian goal. So I wonder if both of you could reflect a little bit about what were your primary educational goals when you started out and how do you feel like you achieved those goals while there? I do believe in this kind of unforeseen circumstances, the most important attribute I have to have in mind is to learn how to adapt. So my primary goal was to adapt as much as possible to ensure the Ukrainians will receive this course under the high standards that we have that we deliver in the U.S. and other countries already. And we have a faculty that can be cohesive, that we can really have genuine team players and be active listeners. And I think we were able to prove that because there were, you know, some of the colleagues coming with questions. So you need somebody who's really experienced, somebody who's trying to be in, in that person's shoes and really uh, adapt and, and provide as much education as they can. One of our faculty was Ukrainian and was probably one of the first people I, I thought about him when David Martin called me. His name is Vadik Gudsenko. And he was my co-fellow when we were fellows in, in a mass general hospital in Boston in 2009. And Vadim really inspired me, even staying for additional half an hour or an hour, because he really wanted to give back to his people as much knowledge as they can. So once again, the main thing was how to adapt. We know we have a great product, how we can deliver the product in Ukrainian, English, be active listeners and, and adjust to whatever their needs were. Alexi, anything you want to add to that? Of course, they hit the high points that uh, delivery of a high quality product and uh, education it was the first and foremost priority. But on top of that, I viewed it as an opportunity to establish longitudinal relationship, not just to, to train people to take the probe and scan, but uh, actually to build a sustainable system and infrastructure or provide knowledge on that for, for longer-term advancement of uh, crit- critical care uh, ultrasonography in the country. So I can only imagine you were going into an active war zone. There was probably many barriers and difficulties you had to overcome. Maybe starting with Alexi, what, what were the challenges that you faced bringing this program to the Ukraine and delivering it? Yeah, so the city selected was Lviv, which is in the western part of Ukraine, which is the least likely to be in the active war zone. Although uh, Russia has long-range ballistic missiles, which are able to reach pretty much any point uh, in, in the country. So, I mean, the, uh, the risk is not zero. But nonetheless, the uh, work was done to ensure the safety of both participants as well as the trainers to do all the courses in the sheltered environment, where which would be pr- protective of both uh, learners and trainers, as well as the uh, transportation in and out of the country. Since it's no active uh, fly zone uh, in and out of the country, so everything has to be arranged by train. 
Then the railing systems are different, so you have to to switch uh, train connections at the border. So you you come to one, one town at the border of Poland and Ukraine, you switch the train there. And uh, getting uh, in around the city also when uh, people, for the most part, don't know the language. So those big things. Second is really delivering the message that the uh, Ukrainians need to hear and adapting, just like Jose mentioned, to, to the local uh, culture and in extremely hierarchical and state-run uh, healthcare system. And the final challenge is the language barrier. You mentioned the difference in the healthcare system there being very hierarchical. I wonder if you could briefly talk about, Jose, who were the participants receiving this education? Who were you teaching in this course? So another, you know, crucial individual in this mission is my dear colleague and friend, Dr. Pustavito. He had a very good relationship already with Dr. Sergei Dubrov, who is Minister of Health First Deputy, and he's an anesthesiologist intensivist. So actually he visited, you know, Alexei John Hopkins, that was the initial stage in preparation for the mission. That gave us a tremendous opportunity to have a better communication with those people who were going to need this intervention. So he worked very closely with Colleen McNamara, uh, you know, developing list, and then we can organize groups because we are very organized when we deliver the course in the United States. So when you come in hierarchical, I, I can tell you a very beautiful story. So we train over 150 individuals, but we only had 80 butterflies. And those butterflies primarily were assigned to those people who were in, in academic places or in places that probably are recognized that they have high volume of patients. But there was this colleague, it was a female colleague who came crying, begging for one ultrasound. And she told me she was working in a rural area. And then please, and she was the only doctor. I, almost she brought tears to my eyes. I couldn't resist and I told to Colleen and Colleen had an extra one, we gave it to her. So I do agree with Alex say that her ecosystem, it, it took us a while to figure it out, how to really give everyone as much as we could, regardless where the position was academic, non-academic, rural, or being in the capital of Kiev, that to me, they were very talented, very smart people in those institutions in Kiev. And I, I predict there will be leaders in that law between a collaboration that Alex say is leading right now. So thinking about that, I wonder if there were specific areas that you were really focused on making sure the learners really got those concepts, you know, thinking about resuscitation and other aspects of critical care ultrasound. Were there any differences of what you focused on because of the ongoing war or did you all stick to the course that we typically see CCM deliver? So for the most part, the focus was on the resuscitative techniques. Simultaneously with the course, and I, just a little bit earlier than that, we started actually surveying the people who took or participated in courses prior and actually during that in course. So we knew the highest used ultrasound applications were fast exam, sort of assessment for bleeding and resuscitative techniques, as well as procedural support like vascular access. And surprisingly, also regional anesthesia was high on the list. Mm. But uh, that is completely sort of different kind of forms at this point. But nonetheless, the demand was clearly there. To deliver that, one needs not only knowledge and skills, one needs devices and uh, access to the potential recordings of those. So 
the patients uh, people evaluate can be looked through by by themselves as well as their colleagues and help them provide uh, useful feedback. So it's the entire sort of infrastructure built into learning is what makes it really important. I wonder if you could elaborate, Jose, on any other success stories you had during the mission, things that really stood out to you of high points of what you brought to Ukraine or high points of what you brought home yourself. Perhaps the best part of the experience for me was confirming the immediate effect of our critical care ultrasound education. Several Ukrainian colleagues, including those in the front line, shared images and clips with good diagnostic accuracy within days after we left. They were impacting medical care directly. That's much different than other medical fields trying to analyze data, etc. So we listed to care we need to care for this immediate effect on humanity. And that's something we really mastered at CCN. We try to always put products that really empower people and within a week, when they go back to their workplaces, they can implement something, they can see real effect. However, I have to say we haven't done yet. So the other part that really inspired me is collaborating with Alexei and other academicians in the United States, because I, I do believe, I do agree with him, which is basically build that cadre of individuals that we consider training the trainers. I would love to see in the coming years, some of those individuals teaching us, showing us something we haven't described. Some of them might be able even to develop their own guidance in their country, or why not? original publication, or why not even coming to U.S. and demonstrating to us different value of the tool that we haven't been able to recognize in continental U.S. That's a lot to take back. I do want to follow up on something Alexei said earlier, which was this longitudinal program. I wonder if you might elaborate about what you mean by that and, and what you see coming in the future through that program. What I really mean is that when, when you build a system which allows people to save images and potentially interpretations, like a cloud-based system, you're able to actually review those images together. The way I, I would see that is the Ukrainian colleagues and us here in the United States, any, any other countries actually who are willing to participate, can review each other's images and provide comments and bring people up to the same sort of standard that everywhere else. That's what I call the sustainable system. And then since the courses we held in March, actually, we were in touch with some of our colleagues who took the courses and uh, we were able to sort of provide feedback on what images they collect on the quality of the images, quality of an interpretation. So that's the long longitudinal. And as far as what Jose really mentioned is training the trainer. That's a very important concept. So it comes back to the very old saying, right? I mean, first you see one, you do one, and then you teach one. I, I think once they start teaching themselves, they will rapidly escalate number of actually users. And that, that is really supported through sort of organized teaching. So I wanted, Jose, if you could speak to the challenges from a logistics standpoint of running this course, just briefly. Certainly, translating to Ukrainian require us to use our expertise and deliver basically critical educational points to maximize time utilization. Because I was speaking and then I have a translator, an interpreter doing the translations. So we were able to really select the most important educational points. 
their ultrasound devices sometimes needed to get fixed, or even there was a ultrasound device in another language in German. And honestly, I, I don't know German, so it was hard, that part. The first time one of the sirens, the alarm went off, I felt an almost sense of responsibility and anxiety, allowed me to be closer to my colleagues and SCCM staff and try to learn how to you know, deal with that kind of situation. Over time, we became more comfortable. And, and lastly, we were trying to really maximize the utilization of the iPads and the butterflies we gave to each of the participants. And that actually gave us another opportunity, which was to bring back some report to the high leadership of SCCM and direct relief. And based on that, they will be willing to support further the Ukrainians. So speaking of that, I wonder if you all can speak to any upcoming missions that the SCCM might have, either in supporting ultrasound education or otherwise to the Ukraine or elsewhere. Yes, we will go back. They need us. I can see now with this globalization, we have an SCCM. It's a real momentum. And I'm aware of other missions in different continents. So I can envision how global SCCM will have a really good pipeline with these initial lessons learned in the Ukraine. But right now, in the immediate future, we're going to continue supporting the Ukrainians, training the trainers. That's wonderful. I wonder, Alexia, if you could mention how others might get involved that are hearing this podcast and, and really feeling inspired or asking themselves, is this is something they could also participate in? Yeah, the Ukraine in general would like to become part of the Western world, and it's a long-term project, even after the war is over. I mean, any involvement is welcome. I mean, there are multiple charity organizations as well as professional organizations. People can support the country. And reaching out, I, I think, to both of us, Jose and I, for this particular type of work would be of great help. And uh, organizations who they mentioned, like the Direct Relief, SCCM, and the people involved with this project, Colleen McNamara, Teresa Voy, Ken Claridge, all the people can provide guidance how to join the group, how to support it by other means. I think before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you both, how has this experience changed you and what did you take away from it? Really being humble because, I mean, uh, you, you don't realize how blessed we are here in the in the United States for what we have. But on the uh, other hand, it's part of the concept of actually paying it forward, that being grateful for what you have, you want others to, to reach the, the same sort of uh, heights and goals. And uh, in a big way, it's a humanitarian effort. Jose, what about you? Personally, the sense of humanity went to the next level. I never heard from any of these colleagues mentioning something about the enemy. All what I heard was they really wanted to help people that were injured, people who have illnesses that needed to be addressed. That was really inspirational. That actually takes away any political component, anything like that. And that actually brings the collegiality and the medical profession to the next level because actually I saw a really impressive interaction, interprofessional interaction between paramedics, physicians, and people from different specialties and different backgrounds. So that was huge. The second aspect, and I cannot be more thankful, I, I'm an immigrant from a country that was in a time of war, which was in Colombia in the 80s, and still some violence. But you never prepare for any kind of situation like this, but everything can be unprecedented and things unfold 
in a way that you cannot control. However, in this specific mission, just having the SCCN staff, both here in the United States and in Ukraine, with the support they provided to us, I'm ready for any mission for SCCN globally. And even now, because I want to go, I can actually even be a mentor for those future leaders who need to go. But I will tell you, having Teresa Woki at 3 a.m. in the morning, starting in Chicago, guiding us on logistic, or Ariel, and then having colleague Manamara inside with Clint Cleric, I felt I was pretty much ready to react, to adapt to anything we needed. So those two things, the value of the SNS staff and the humanity at the next level were my most, I would say, lifelong will be experiences for me after going to Ukraine. Well, I want to thank you both for what you did and also taking the time today to record this podcast. This concludes another episode of the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app and you like what you heard, consider rating and leaving a review. For the Society of Critical Care Medicine podcast, I'm Kyle Enfield. Kyle B. Enfield, MD, is an Associate Professor of Medicine in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care at the University of Virginia. He received his undergraduate degree from the University of Oklahoma. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Contact a customer service representative at 847-827-6888 or visit sccm.org membership for more information. The SCCM podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine and all rights are reserved. Find more episodes at sccm.org slash podcast. This podcast is for educational purposes only. The material presented is intended to represent an approach, view, statement, or opinion of the presenter that may be helpful to others. The views and opinions expressed herein are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or views of SCCM. SCCM does not recommend or endorse any specific test, physician, product, procedure, opinion, or other information that may be mentioned.